Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself. Hey, all right, you guys, welcome to episode 100. It is finally here. We have finally done it. Episode 100 of Grow Bud Yourself. We got a great show in store for you guys. Uh, First, Mike and I are going to chat about some uh, recent news in the cannabis world. Uh, The interview is with renowned grow writer Jeff Lowenfels. He's the author of the award-winning book, Teeming with Microbes. Also going to talk about things and people to avoid in cannabis, as well as give answers to listener grow questions, all that and more here in episode 100, which is brought to you by Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients, Excelsior Extracts, and our new sponsor, Prime Superior, who offers all natural and organic compliant inoculant products, including the world's first cloning honey to help improve your cloning success. Visit primesuperior.com to learn more and use the code PS. 420 for 15% off of your entire order. And our new special 100th episode sponsors, CryoCure Cannabis and Hemp Curing Machines, which allow you to skip the hang drying phase altogether and achieve perfectly dried cannabis in just 12 hours. Visit cryocure.com and follow them on Instagram at cryocure machines. And now, without further ado, episode 100 of Grow Bud Yourself coming at you. If you're a grower or you're thinking about starting your first crop, then you need to know about Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients. Sweet Leaf has an incredible line of organic fertilizers and, of course, their legacy line that includes organic and some synthetic fertilizers. Check them out at sweetleaf.com. That's S U I T E L E A F.com. The code DANKO15 gets you 15% off everything at Sweetleaf. That's 15% off their signature line of nutrients as well as essentials like complete indoor hydroponic grow tent kits and grow lights, plus awesome apparel, backpacks, and much more. If you join our Patreon, you'll get access to additional codes worth 20 and even 25% off. Patreon supporters also receive free Sweetleaf nutrients just for signing up. Sweetleaf provides all the tools necessary for the modern gardener. Check them out at sweetleaf.com and remember the code DANKO15. All right, welcome back, and uh, thank you to Jacques and Winstrong as always. Welcome to show number one hundred. Mike, how are you feeling? Incredible. I never never thought we'd make it, but we did. <laughs> it took us it took us a while at the end there too. Uh, sorry about the wait, you guys, but uh, you know, life is life is crazy, and uh, we've got uh, our magazine that we're working on, and um, now that things are, are are you know more open. As far as the pandemic goes, I'm starting to do some grow classes around uh, around New York. So if you're ever interested in uh, checking out grow classes, my next one is coming up October 22nd uh, here in Brooklyn at a hydro shop, not you know a block and a half away from <laughs> a, a location that I used to grow in more than you know 25 years ago or so. Uh, yeah, right in the Gowanus neighborhood of Brooklyn. Uh, right on Union Street at New York Hydroponics. I'm going to be doing a uh, a grow class October 22nd. You can see info uh, for that on my social medias and stuff. But 
yeah, uh, you know, uh, we love doing the show, but we also have a, a bunch of other stuff we got to take care of. So, uh, but we are going to get into a more regular posting schedule. I, oh, I think absolutely. part of what happened is we we were chasing somebody for this episode, and it didn't <laughs> quite work out. We're gonna we're gonna get them eventually, but, uh, but we're just moving absolutely. forward. And yeah, we're so excited to bring this to you guys. Yes, I know, I know, it's so cool. Uh, I'm really psyched. I mean, I think back to uh, you know episode one of Grow Bud Yourself in 2011 where you know just me and you winging it out there and uh you know thinking about that being you know 11 years ago you know just wondering if podcasting was even (laughs) going to be a thing (laughs) right and uh here we are you know uh more than a decade later and then i think back on uh you know the grow bud yourself the independent show that we do uh that really relies on you guys uh listening and relies on our sponsors uh, and our guests. I mean, guest, guest on show number one, uh, friend of the pod, as always, Kyle Cushman. And man, we've had we've had some amazing shows over the years. We've had shows where you know, um, sadly, you know, I've interviewed people who've who've passed passed on. Uh, so really proud that we were able to get them on uh, and have them tell at least part of their stories, um, including Subcool and uh, several others that we've had over the years but uh yeah man show 100 i digress uh how do you feel mike well i I think no matter uh what you think of us uh, whether you enjoy it or it's not for you it's still an accomplishment so i'm 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 excited about it i was going to ask you your 100 favorite things about this show but i think you just kind of broke it down that that, you know a long long time we've been doing this some great yeah guests. yeah i mean you know frenchy being on the show is, is something that i'm i i you know j- uh, just a, a a month or two before he passed is something that uh you know having tommy chong on the show uh having you know close friends and people that i've admired over the years and people that have just been uh pivotal in uh changing the way cannabis is perceived and changing the quality and the the variety of different strains uh, and hopefully just uh, helping people improve the quality of their home grow. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what I'm hoping is that uh, people get excited to, to uh, set up a tent and get some plants going and learn how to, how to get started and then uh, take it from there, you know, take it wherever you feel like you want it to go. Uh, but that's what this show is all about. It's always been uh, very much about uh, cultivation. And we should celebrate also uh, New York medical patients giving, <laughs> finally getting the right to cultivate their six plants. Uh, I mentioned that on social media, and that just happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, so that's exciting. And uh, things have changed, obviously, even since we started this show in 2020. Uh, there's been a lot of changes, but Gosh, since we've been in this industry, Mike, you as uh, editor in chief over at High Times, all those years, and prior to that, uh, you know, uh, just a, a lot, uh, a lot of uh, positive changes, and you know, there's obviously some negative aspects to it. People talk about that as well, um, but you know, the reality is, it's 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 hard to know, uh, you know, what what things would have been like. If, if it wasn't this way. I mean, that's the thing. There's a parallel universe uh, where weed is still completely illegal, okay? People didn't fight to change these laws. Uh, people are still getting arrested. 
Um, the lives are still being ruined and all of that is still happening. And we can't really ever know uh, how many of those uh, injustices uh, aren't occurring because the laws have changed in some places, uh, at least to the point where we're not being locked up uh, for exorbitant amounts of time uh, in some places. And some people can make some money and some people can uh, just enjoy their cannabis in peace without being afraid uh, of losing their kids or getting locked up or all those things. So it's hard to measure uh, the, the good. It's easy to see, uh, you know, the negativity uh, and uh, the chicanery and all of that. But, uh, but it is hard to know all of the amazing things that, that uh, you know, or the, the negative things that didn't happen because these laws have been changed. So a lot has happened and uh, we're, we're, I'm just, I'm happy we reached episode 100. We're going to keep, uh, keep going as long as you guys keep supporting us and our, our advertisers. But uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's get into the news, I guess. A lot has ha- probably happened in the last uh, three weeks or so. Absolutely. Just before we do just a couple of things. Um, uh, yeah, I agree with you at, at the basis of what legalization meant to us like a decade ago. It was really just, I think, about people not being arrested and having their family and their lives destroyed because of cannabis. And now we see all these other things that have happened. So it's been really crazy. The other thing I wanted to just throw out there really quick. I don't know if we've ever actually told this story on the show. If we did, I'll just do it briefly. But I'm not sure that we did. Speaking of that Tommy Chong interview, at the very end of it, his door started to ring. He, his doorbell was ringing. And he said, hold on, guys. And Dan and I are sitting there on a Zoom call with Tommy Chong. And he goes to the door and lets someone in. And that person comes and peeks in on the Zoom. And it's freaking Cheech. Cheech was just, he, he wasn't scheduled to be on the interview with us. He just popped up at Tommy's house in the middle of the day. And it was a really amazing experience, I thought. <laughs> Yeah, we've had some some amazing uh, times like that, revelations and 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 uh, stories that have been told uh, only on this show, uh, in some cases, and um, and the previous show uh, that we used to do as well. So uh, remember, this is an independent show uh, at this point. It's just me and Mike and uh, whatever we get from sponsors and Patreon supporters. So please, uh, if you can. Um, hop on the Patreon. We've lost a few of you along the way, but uh, we're hoping to get we'll you back. Get back. So what do you say we take a look at some news? So uh, I thought this week we would just do a, a state of a couple of states. So maybe three states we're going to look at here. And um, the first one that I wanted to talk about is Vermont. This is exciting. Vermont is going to begin legal pot sales Saturday, October 1st. So probably by the time you're hearing this, uh, Legal pot sales will be taking place in Vermont. Um, That was the deadline the state gave itself to launch legal sales, and Vermont is going to meet its deadline. However, only four dispensaries have been granted an adult-use retail license so far, and only three will actually be open on that first day of sales. So it's going to be sort of a soft opening, but they met the deadline, and regulators have already pre-qualified about 50 other retailers for licenses. So that's going to blow up pretty soon there. And while while that state first legalized cannabis in 2018, that law only allowed for the possession of pot as the legislation didn't include a retail sales component. 
However, the state revised uh, the legalization law in 2020 to include that tax and regulate program. It's been working towards implementing this sort of standalone adult use retail sales program. And as of October 1st, Vermont will become the 15th state to offer recreational pot sales. And who are we waiting for? Well, Connecticut, New York, Rhode Island, Virginia, and Washington, D.C. are the states that have legalized adult use cannabis but have yet to start retail sales. Wow. Yeah. I got to say about Vermont, uh, some of the best cannabis on the East Coast is grown in Vermont, and and that's going back uh, over 40 years. I, I can remember uh, as a youth growing up in Boston area, uh, going up to Vermont uh, and picking up amazing purple Afghani buds uh, that were just beautiful. And, uh, and that's a tradition there that's the Green Mountain State. So I'm really happy to hear uh, that they are going legal, and I'm hoping – uh, that it gets much bigger than three uh, or four uh, retail outlets. I'm hoping that they can start with the farmer's market model. There's a great farmers up there. It really should not be limited uh, to MSOs or, or just or three uh, produce, local producers. It should be uh, they should have a grow your own and uh, the ability to sell to your neighbor at a farmer's market. That's kind of what uh, areas like that are all about to begin with. So uh, I'm, I'm happy that they did legalize, but I'm hoping that it goes a lot further. Uh, shout out to our friends at Hetty Vermont. Uh, I got to judge a contest uh, from Vermont uh, recently. Not that recently, but several months back. But uh, it was great to, uh, to taste the terroir of the Green Mountain State and uh, be able to weigh in on uh, what I thought was, was great. And you know what? There were some purple buds in there, too, that reminded me of, uh, of the old days, you know, three or four decades ago. Uh, when I was uh, going up to you know Burlington and and other other parts uh, to pick up that bud uh, that was Vermont grown, so uh, shout out to the state of Vermont. Yeah, absolutely. So good stuff for Vermont. They are going to hit their deadline. Uh, of the states that we mentioned, Connecticut, New York, Rhode Island, and Virginia, that uh, we're still waiting on. Well, speaking of Virginia. It's starting to look like the state, which surprised many of us when it legalized cannabis in 2021, uh, is not going to meet its deadline for retail sales. So the state originally set a 2024 deadline for the start of sales. However, uh, Democrats lost control of the House and the governor's office in the last election. And this has led to a refusal by Republicans to give retail sales a hearing uh, during the last congressional session. So if the General Assembly can't create and pass a compromise bill when it convenes for session in January, the state is actually going to miss its 2024 sales deadline, and that's going to make consumers wait even longer for uh, legal sales, perhaps maybe ultimately not offering adult use sales at all. Wow. That's that's unfortunate because, uh, you know, Virginia is, has a, also a wonderful environment in which to grow uh, cannabis and a rich tradition of it as well uh, in the legacy market or the underground or however you want to refer to that. Um, uh, shout out to our, our friends in Virginia. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's unfortunate that, uh, that that would be stalled and potentially not even happen because it's obviously the, uh, the will of the people once again uh, being thwarted uh, by the few uh, that aren't really uh listening <laughs> right i mean uh it's unfortunate but i do think uh 
you know, there's no turning back at this point, and eventually uh, Virginia will have those legal sales. Uh, it's just going to be baby steps and two steps forward, one step back, and all of those cliches. But uh, yeah, it we'll took Maine a long time to get there. It took Vermont a long time, but eventually they did. So hopefully Virginia will too. Indeed. So let's look at one more state here during this news section, and that is Missouri. So while sales in Virginia could be in jeopardy, at least it managed to legalize cannabis. That is still very much up in the air in Missouri. And while the state managed to get a recreational legalization bill on the ballot this year, prosecutors in Missouri are taking aim at adult use weed at the adult use weed constitutional amendment. The State Association of Prosecuting Attorneys, which sounds like a fun group of people, um, (laughs) They called Amendment 3, which would legalize cannabis, nothing more than 30 pages of mischief. The attorneys uh, point to fears over traffic accidents and questionable reports about heavy increases in pot-related traffic fatalities in other adult-use states. Essentially, the prosecutors uh, go to the traditional prohibitionist playbook of attempting to scare people about the dangers of pot and what it possesses to society, uh, how the government will be powerless to protect you if uh, you legalize cannabis, and of course, that children will be put at risk. So uh, hopefully Missourians can see through all that nonsense and pass Amendment 3 on November 8th. Absolutely. So that's sort of a that's what's going on. A couple of, of a positive story, a medium story, and then a, a bit of a negative one. But that's that's the the news. That's what's going on in the world of weed. But we have a really exciting interview, and I have to say, I wish I was half as excited about anything in my life as this man is about soil. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Our uh, our guest on this hundredth episode is uh, someone I've looked up to for many years uh, as a gardening writer. Uh, author Jeff Lowenfels. Uh, he's the author of Teeming with Microbes. Uh, his new book is Teeming with Bacteria. And uh, basically, uh, he's a, a soil scientist extraordinaire uh, who really has, uh, has figured out exactly how all these things, uh, fungi, beneficial bacteria, uh, my, all these microbes relate with plant roots and, and, and can benefit and how we can go back to living soil uh, with all of those great beneficial relationships occurring. But anyways, I'll let him tell you guys because he's way more articulate about it than I am. And uh, uh, an amazing uh, writer and speaker, Jeff Lowenfels, coming up after the break. So why don't we uh, take a little break and we'll be back with Jeff. Do you want to take your cultivation program to the next level and grow higher quality, naturally healthier plants? Our new sponsor, Prime Superior, can get you there with simple, safe, and effective products. Whether you're starting with seeds, clones, or your plants are already established, Prime Superior has a product for you. And best of all, you don't have to change anything in your grow program. Just add Prime Superior. Do you want the best biological for cannabis growing? Prime Superior's proprietary strain of Bovaria bassania increases terpenes, cannabinoids, and yield. Inoculate early with Prime Superior and you will see faster germination and larger root mass, which will help you propel your nutrient uptake. Faster growth and more photosynthesis means higher yields and more terpenes and cannabinoids. Plus, Prime Superior has the world's first biological cloning honey to help improve your cloning success. 
Now's the time to try Prime Superior. Grow Bud Yourself listeners can use the code PS420 for 15% off their entire order at primesuperior.com. So don't hesitate, inoculate, and visit primesuperior.com to learn more. All right, welcome back to the show, and uh, we have a very special guest for you guys uh, this week. Uh, he is an author. Uh, I'm a big fan of his work. His name is Jeff Lowenfels. He's the author of uh, Originally Teeming with Microbes. That's the original gardener's guide to the soil food web. And then along with that, he has also uh, written Teeming with Nutrients, Teeming with Fungi, uh, a book for autoflowering plants, uh, cannabis plants, DIY autoflowering cannabis, and the brand new Teeming with Bacteria. Uh, welcome, Mr. Lowenfelds, to the show. Thanks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to have a trilogy, and now I have a quadrilogy of the teeming books. Uh, I had to go look that yeah. word up. It actually exists. <laughs> quadrilogy. Yeah, quadrilogy. So I've, I've gone from America's Dirtiest Lawyer uh, to uh, Lord of the Roots, and now I don't know what to call myself. So we'll just have to, we'll just have to stay as Lord of the Roots, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, well, I do have to say that uh, teeming with ri- microbes really changed uh, the way I and a lot of gardeners, uh, especially cannabis farmers, uh, look at the soil food web in general. Can you can you talk a little bit about? Um, you've written a column for decades uh, in Alaska, a, a, a weekly gardening column. Can you talk a little bit about? Uh, you know, how you got interested in, in gardening and, and, yeah. and how that came about? Yeah, I grew up in New York uh, on a little uh, gentleman's farm uh, in a suburban community. My father was a frustrated farmer, and if you wanted to spend time with him, you went out and, and, you, and you spent time in the garden with him. Uh, somewhere along the way, he met J.I. Rodale, uh, became somewhat organic, but he had a friend who worked for him, uh, who started a small little company called Miracle Grow? <laughs> so uh, I was I was organically oriented, but there was always this little Miracle Grow in the background. And then one day, a friend of mine sent me a picture of the nematode uh, uh, eating eating the fu- uh, or getting strangled by the fungus uh, as it's protecting uh, uh, a tomato root. And, and that was Dr. Elaine Ingham's sort of wake-up call, and uh, I became a very big disciple of the soil food web. And for those who don't know what the soil food web is, we all know about food chains where the little guy gets eaten by the bigger guy gets eaten by the bigger guy. Every now and then something on that food chain looks up or looks down, finds another another chain and attaches it and says, I can eat that. And so these, these chains become attached into a big web. Uh, and essentially the way it works is the plant puts out substances that drip out through the root system called exudates. These contain carbon. They attract bacteria and fungus to the rhizosphere, that little area right around the root system. And they eat the exudates and they're very happy and until they in turn attract the things that eat them, nematodes and protozoa. And the nematodes are just true worms. They're microscopic hair hair length worms um, uh, or hair thickness worms. 
whereas the protozoa are things you studied in high school and immediately forgot as soon as you left 10th grade, uh, amoebas, uh, paramecium's, those kinds of things. Uh, and they eat the bacteria and fungi. They uh, take some of the carbon in, but they poop out the excess nutrients that they don't need right there in the rhizosphere. Uh, it turns out to be in plant usable form. It has a little charge on it. If you've read Teeming with Nutrients, you understand that it needs that charge in order to get into the, into the plant. Uh, and, and so the, the plant exudate essentially is attracting the food that the plant needs. And if the plant needs a different kind of food, it changes the exudates. Really a terrific, terrific system. And that's the system that we've lived with uh, and, and used to garden, living soil, regenerative soil, uh, you know, uh, K and F. All of those things are really basically soil food web operations. Uh, today, I'm here to announce that there is a new section to the soil food web, a new portion that, that, that enables it to gather even more food, and it's called rhizophagy. Now, I, I pronounce it rhizophagy. It's, it's, it's really one word, rhizo, which is, means root, and phagy, which means eat. And it turns out that some of these bacteria that are attracted by those exudates uh, are not eaten by the protozoa uh, and the nematodes, but instead are tricked by the plant to back into one of the newly formed root cells, the meristem cells in the root system. And, and once it gets into that system, all sorts of crazy things happen that we didn't have any idea were going on that result in feeding the plant. So the first system I talked about is basically Dr. Elaine Ingham generated, uh, she's the guru of it, had she had the kind of microscopy that Dr. James White of Rutgers University has uh, or had back then, uh, she'd be able to see this second half, this rhizophagy uh, section. So what happens is the bacteria backs into the cell and when it goes through the cell wall, the cell sprays the bacteria with a superoxide and it does it in order ostensibly to protect itself. But if it's the right kind of bacteria, the only thing that happens is the cell wall of the bacteria gets dissolved and then it gets absorbed by the plant and is used as nutrients. Then the bacteria go, oh, wait a minute, we don't like this, we're going to weaken the superoxide. And so the bacteria use ethylene and, uh, that they make from one of the exudates and the ethylene weakens the superoxide so that only the bacteria cell wall is taken off, not the whole, the whole bacteria isn't destroyed. That's, that process results in the uh, formation of nitrite and then nitrates. And up to 30% of the nitrogen that the plant absorbs can come from these rhizophagy bacteria. And it's not over yet because what happens is the plant then circulates the rhizophagy bacteria in the root cell. And as they circulate around the root cell, they're not in the cytoplasm. They're in between the wall and the cytoplasm. And as they circulate around, they multiply. And as they multiply, they get more and more population uh, and they're producing ethylene all the time. 
and eventually they get crowded, they get pushed up against the cell wall, and the ethylene causes the cell wall to form a tube, which you and I know as a root hair. And then the bacteria are pushed into that tube, and three or four or five times, the tube explodes from the tip, and these bacteria are pushed back out into the soil. When they're in the soil again, they regrow their cell wall, re-nutrify themselves, and then they go back in a couple of days later and repeat the trip in a new cell. It's unbelievable. So this cyclical thing goes on. It's like ranching. So the Elaine Ingham system is farming. The plant puts the fertilizer out, collects the stuff it needs, moves it into the plant. This is ranching. The bacteria are brought in. They are shorn of their wool. They're multiplied. A couple of lamb chops are eaten. They're put back out into pasture. They grow back their wool, and then they come back in again. So we've got the plant not just farming, but ranching as well. And the sole combined effect of these two soil food web pictures, it's one big soil food web, is this is how plants feed themselves and how they survive. And if they want to change, they can change the bacteria that come in, they can uh, change the the uh, exudate for the stuff that's in the soil itself. It's really an incredible, incredible system. But there's more because these bacteria, which are called endophytic bacteria, endophytic bacteria spend part of their life inside the cell and part of their life outside the cell. So these rhizophagy uh, bacteria that are cycling around are endophytic bacteria. Now, when they go in that cell, and that, are, that, that superoxide is sprayed on them, the plant has to make sure that it's not killing itself with the superoxide. And so it increases its strength and its ability to handle stress. Well, some of these bacteria sneak into the plant in other areas. They go through uh, uh, axles, the areas where the roots split off. They'll, they'll break in there and they'll go in and they'll move throughout the plant and they produce phytohormones, gibberellic acid, auxins, ethylene, all the things that a plant uses to produce fruit, to hold the fruit, to ripen the fruit, to drop the fruit, uh, to handle uh, excess wind, uh, drought. All of these things are things that bacteria are capable of helping the plant survive, and they do. And then some of them get caught up in the flower and eventually become part of the seed. They're in the, right in the seed coat, and they jump back into the soil when the seed germinates, and they happen to be the kind of bacteria that the plant needs. So those seeds carry the bacteria that end up becoming endophytic in the plant itself, which is really an amazing thing for a number of reasons. Let's start with something like corn. Corn's been bred for 400 years old, 400 years. It still contains the basic bacteria that the first seed had. Unbelievable. Now, what's the implication to cannabis? Well, uh, those seeds are pretty darn important. And the, the 
the seeds themselves carry the bacteria that the individual strain needs to survive. So Durban poison has a different bacterial mix than, say, Acapulco gold. Unbelievable. And that mix stays there. If, if you, you know, even as you go through breeding, there is that mix. And so if you've got a lot of Durban poison in your breeding, you've got those Durban poison bacteria. The implications are pretty clear. No more sterilizing seeds. That's a very bad thing to do. When you start your seed in a paper towel, don't just take the seedling and put it in the soil. That paper towel contains a lot of the bacteria that were in the seed. You put that in there as well. Then, uh, as I've always said, you reuse your soil because these exudates are continually being made. You plant a new plant in that same soil, it's already got a head start with some of these exudates, with some of the mycorrhizal fungi that are already there that have been attracted by these exudates. So it's a, it's a, it's a whole new layer to the, to the soil food web system that just emphasizes what we knew originally. Let the plant be in control. Now, and, and you can hardly shut me up, I'm sorry for taking so much of your time here. Uh, <laughs> it also turns out that the trichomes, let me, let me just back up for a second. So the root hairs don't form if you don't have bacteria. We were taught that root hairs were there to absorb nutrients, and they are. They do absorb nutrients, but what forms them are the bacteria. And what their real purpose seems to be is to put those bacteria back out into fresh soil so that they can regenerate and come back in again. All right, so now we have these trichomes. And, and for years, you know, growers have often said, gee, they look like hairs. We call them hairs. Uh, and it turns out that Dr. White and his students have just recently discovered, and, and, and this was just... Uh, surmised and, and guessed at in the book because the research hadn't been completed yet, the bacteria also find their way into those trichomes. And when they're in the trichome, they do a very rhizophagy kind of thing. They fight with the, with the cell. And so the, the, they produce the nitrates and, and they spray the cell in the trichome. And the trichome cell tries to control the bacteria using cannabinoids. What? <laughs> cannabinoids. So you've got these trichomes and the bacteria communicating uh, and, and creating the, the, the things that we grow cannabis for. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Uh, and, and same thing happens in the tomato. Any plant that has trichomes, there are bacteria in there that are reacting with the mother cells, so to speak, and you're getting these metabolites created. Bacteria, when they speak to each other, they speak to each other in, in uh, uh, you know, in the in cannabinoids, in in in, in uh, uh, you know the, the the same kind of chemical language that we're trying to grow. So it's a really, really key discovery. Um, and, and, and it leads to the point where we, f I think, finally can answer the question of terroir. You know, everybody always wants to say, oh, my, I'm growing my cannabis in California, and it's the best. No, it's what the seed carries with it. That's where the flavor, that's where the distinctive taste and everything comes from. And finally, 
there is no question that when you use artificial nitrogen, commercial fertilizers, you disrupt this system and the plant does not have the same nitrogen efficiency whatsoever. So again, another reason to be using the soil food web. So there's a complete summary of the book. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, specifically for the cannabis grower, um, what would you say to to the person? Okay, there's someone growing in in Rockwell with uh, you know nitrogen nutrient salts, um, not obviously not a living soil system. But that person will say, you know, the plant can't tell the difference between uh, you know an organic form of nitrogen or a chemical form of nitrogen. It's the same molecule. Uh, what what's your advice to that person, or or what would be your argument yeah. for the soil food web and living soil? Well, uh, I mean, first of all. Uh, anybody, uh, from my perspective, stuff doesn't taste as good. Uh, secondly, there's no question that this is the way plants operate. And when you disrupt that system, you're going to get a different kind of plant. Uh, and so by using rock wool and chemical salts, etc., you're not getting the same cannabis you get when you do living soil. Sure, you're still getting some cannabinoids and you're still getting, you know, you can still get high off them and, and millions of people grow that way, but it's not the best way to grow. And, and it doesn't produce, from my perspective, the best plant. If it was a plant that was, you know, a tomato plant, the bricks would be higher. All the, all the indices of, of growing in living soil are better than growing hydroponically. Simple as that. Um, the other thing, of course, is that we do know that you don't get the same nitrogen efficiency when you're using chemicals. It reduces the plant's ability to operate naturally, so it doesn't operate properly. I guess that's probably the way to put it. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, one of the things people do is uh, oxygenated compost teas and that sort of thing. Um, and there seems to be sort of two schools of thought, even within uh, the living soil and, and soil food web community, about uh, aerobic versus anaerobic. Uh, you mentioned KNF and, right. and all these different systems that people use. Um, can you talk a little bit about uh, the differences there between aerobic and anaerobic systems? Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not one of my great areas of expertise. I always go aerobic because aerobic has fewer, you know, fewer of the disease-causing uh, and bad pathogen, pathogenetic, I guess, bacteria and stuff. Um, you know, the soil tends, we, we, we tend to think of soil as aerobic. Uh, it has little pockets of anaerobic areas. Those, those anaerobic chemicals that we put in there are usually facultative, facultative. They change. They can do both. Uh, and so, so uh, uh, it, it, you know, it's, it, it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing to have anaerobic. We've, we've pushed aerobic so much because of the E. coli uh, kind of situation. Um, KNF is definitely anaerobic. Lac the lactic acid is anaerobic. Um, but again, they become exposed and they change and become aerobic. So, so uh, you, you, you get what you want. But, but when you're growing, you want to be safe if you're using manures and organic materials and, and whatnot, so you might as well go aerobic as, as much as you possibly can. It's not to say KNF doesn't work, uh, and part of the KNF stuff is, is aerobic and becomes aerobic uh, once it's exposed. So, um, you know, the compost, the compost, compost seems to be the best stuff you can use on, on, on grows. 
compost teas, very controversial. Some people don't think they work at all. I happen to believe they do. Um, uh, but compost definitely is fabulous, and it's fabulous because it's got all these aerobic uh, uh, microbes in it. So. Now back to the new book, Teeming with Bacteria. Yeah. Um, you know, we talk a lot about beneficial bacteria. Is there bacteria that can be harmful and, and uh, actually s- something that you don't want uh, in, your, in your soil? Yeah, there are. Of course, I don't, I don't really mention them in my book. But, but, you know, if your soil stinks, you've got something bad in your soil. Uh, and so you've got, you know, you, chances are you've got a bacteria in there that's producing something that smells bad uh, in getting big populations. Um, what the book does is, is point out, and it's a complicated, hard thing to do because I don't, I don't want to scare people away. Bacteria have these long scientific names. Uh, and there's lots of them. Uh, so I didn't want to freak people out. But there's certain, certain ones that you find in certain plants. And so, for example, uh, there is now a mixture, which I list in the book. Uh, one of the key bacteria in it that cannabis growers use is a mixture cannabis growers are using. Uh, Azospirillium. Azo uh, is is one of the bacillus that they that people are beginning to use. Uh, it's been proven to be pretty effective in growing good cannabis and getting much better results than you do when you don't have it involved in the mix. And so I think I, what the book does is it introduces the concept. Uh, but we are st- like we were when the Soil Food Web book came out in 2006. We're still a little early in being able as individual home growers and gardeners to use the information fully. Uh, so, you know, we don't yet have the ability to take a sample of the soil, put it in water, and then take a drop of that and have the cell phone tell you what bacteria you have. But we're getting there. The databases are there now. We've got the databases, and, and you can now take a sample and send it to somebody for $500, and they'll tell you exactly what kind of bacteria you have in your soils. We're getting to the point, and I think in the next four or five years, we're going to be at the point where we have home instruments, probably our cell phone, that will enable us to do some of these things to use this new information in a better way. Um, you know, we, there are formulas that farmers can now buy that contain some of these bacteria. Some of these formulas are moving down into the uh, grow uh, houses and and into uh, just the generic nursery uh, trade. And so all of this stuff is coming. This is, uh, as I told Dr. White, a book written before its time. Uh, And I think think those people who read it, and you really should, and by the way, I think it should be the the second book in the in the quadrilogy, um, even though it was the last one written, I think you ought to read Teeming with Microbes, then this book, Teeming with Bacteria, then Teeming with Fungi, then Teeming with Nutrients. Um, but, I, but I think when people read it, they'll understand that there are things that you could be doing right now today, even though we don't have the instrumentation to be able to, to, to tell us exactly what's going on. Right. And so, um, you know, we're, I think what we're talking about also is, is improving your soil year after year yes. um, using these techniques, regenerative, regenerative uh, techniques um, such as no-till farming where you're just adding organic material on top and not 
breaking up those strands, those mycorrhizal right. strands right. that are are helping to break down the nutrients and that um, relationship between uh, the plant roots and um, the fungal strands is really kind of maybe even the first relationship on earth. <laughs> well, you know, actually, uh, it's even, it's even, it even involves the bacteria because what, what starts is the bacteria stick the soils together. Their slime sticks it together. And then the fungi come in and weave those aggregates into bigger aggregates. Uh, and, and so, uh, yeah, it's 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 just such an important thing not to screw around with a system. So rototilling, as you mentioned, not only breaks up that mycorrhizal fungi network, but it and and the structural network that's that's been created, but it also displaces the bacteria that are part of this rhizophagy system. So you rototill, the bacteria that are supposed to be at the root zone end up either way above the root zone or way below the root zone, not in the root zone. So, yeah, all of these practices that we've been talking about, you know, that Dr. Elaine encourages people to use, et cetera, et cetera, they are all very, very valid uh, and, and certainly are, are uh, supported by this new book. Yeah, you know, um, I, I tell people all the time that uh, even if you're not concerned about, uh, you know, climate change and the environment and, and having that living soil, uh it actually reduces the amount of inputs that you'll need. Less fertilizer, less. Uh, so it's 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 more cost effective at the at, you know each year. Less and less uh, inputs need to be added because all of those different relationships are basically breaking nutrients down. Um, but for the average cannabis farmer with a four by four tent in their in their home. Uh, how can they benefit from this in 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 container farming? Farming. Sure. Is, it's, is is this something where you need to be outdoors in, in in soil, or can you can you do this in a container? Yeah, it's always surprises people to under to, to to figure out that you can have living soil inside. Uh, you know, containers are growing plants. Plants all operate the same way. They all put out exudates, whether they're in a pot or whether they're in the ground. And so, so you treat them as if they were in the ground, and you treat your soil as if it is living soil because it should be living soil. Um, you know, I, I, it, it it always freaks people out to to you know see a worm in a cannabis plant, <laughs> you know, growing in a tent. Well, you know, right. or a mushroom. Yeah, or a mushroom, exactly. Uh, you know, but we grow cover crops in in these tents. You know, why wouldn't we treat the soil exactly like we would out, out outdoors? And we should, and we do. Um, these bacteria are definitely there. Uh, you can add different kinds of, of, of bacterial foods to create different kinds of bacteria. Uh, and again, in, in the book, you'll pick up hints of things that you can be doing, particularly the mixture uh, of things that you can be putting on your cannabis plants indoors or outdoors. Uh, and in fact, some people would claim that outdoors, you know, a lot of the stuff dissipates. Whereas when you're growing it in a container, it's right there and it's there for your next grow. So you cut the plant off, you don't pull it out, that's like rototilling. You cut the plant off, you put your new plant right in the old soil, the new roots grow along the old root system where they pick up a lot of the goodies. There's decay going on right there, so you're getting some nutrients as well as some of the exudate goodies that the plant put out itself. 
uh, and it's a beautiful, beautiful way to grow. And you end up with really nice plants. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, uh, people sort of think that uh, factory farming is this practice that's been going on forever, but it, it's really sort of post-World War II, uh, this idea that, you know, just pouring chemicals onto soil and just using soil as you know, something that holds roots uh, and with nothing, no, no life within it. Uh, and then things like this are considered cutting edge science, which, right. which is really just going back to the practices of the past. And, you know, plant health and productivity uh, was far greater back then without the, the runoff and all of the, you know, chemical uh, issues and with pesticide and all of that that come from right. that factory farming idea. But is this something that you can scale up, let's yes. say, and, and actually feed the world this way? Sure. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I know. Yeah, I mean, and of course, the, the, the word is no, you can't, you know, that this population's gotten too big, but I don't think that's tr it's true. Uh, the, 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 the idea that we want to eat less nutrient dense food is just crazy because that's what we, we we've end up, ended up with what happened w was that we ended up with all these nitrogen based ammunitions uh, munitions and we discovered that they would work as fertilizers and so we started using them as fertilizers well again as i indicated at the beginning of the show when you add nitrogen you are disrupting this system in a serious serious fashion uh, and and so you end up, as you as you indicated, you end up adding stuff, which then creates a situation where maybe you get a disease because the bacteria that was there to protect the, the plant from that disease is no longer there because the salt killed it off. Or the population of a bad bacteria, which likes the salts that you're putting down on it, gets so large that your plant becomes infected with, with them and you can't control it. So, so you end up just completely disrupting the system. These endophytic bacteria that keep plants healthy have some unbelievable capabilities. So some of them can jump off the root, go out into the soil, and create metals, tighten them up, pull them together, and either leave them out into the soil because they would poison the plant if they moved into the plant, or if they happen to be a, a, a mineral material that the plant needs, they create them and bring them back into the plant. Well, you kill those bacteria off, that doesn't happen anymore. Some of these bacteria can jump off and kill fungi that are trying to, to destroy the plant. Hmm. And then they jump back on and into the plant again, waiting for the next batch to come along. This is a beautiful system that's been operating for eons and eons and eons. Since 1945, we've, we've been messing it up left and right, and we need to stop. Simple as that. And when it comes to cannabis, we're talking about something you're putting into your body. My goodness gracious, you want to make sure that it is as healthy as possible, and you do not want to be using chemicals. Absolutely. Well, um, thank you so much uh, for being on the show. Can you let people know uh, how they can find out more about you, social media, and also um, uh, purchase the new book sure. and catch up with the old books as well? Sure. Yeah. Uh, I'm at uh, on Instagram and uh, uh, you know Twitter, all those things at uh, uh, at Gardner Jeff, uh, and you can get the books anywhere books are sold. But Amazon definitely has all of them. 
Um, I think they may even have a special on a package of at least three of them. Uh, and I always tell people, start with teeming with microbes. Even though I want you to buy this teeming with bacteria, you need to understand teeming with microbes. The system that Dr. Elaine Ingham laid out, and, and by the way, I always like to point out, I'm just a reporter. I didn't invent any of this stuff. All I'm doing is reporting on stuff. And so Dr. Elaine Ingham, you know, she's the guru. Uh, Dr. James White from Rutgers University is now joining her as a result of this rhizophagy. This is all very, very cutting edge. So I indicated when I wrote the book, uh, we had no idea the trichomes really did what they do. Now we know. Uh, and so all of these things you want to continually add on. But, but Amazon.com uh, is where you can get it. Uh, you can get all of my books there. Uh, T-E-A-M, not T-E-M, because uh, you're teaming, uh, you're working with these guys. And ultimately what you find out, and my bottom line is always this, people are lazy. Let the bacteria, fungi, nematodes, and protozoa, and the other members of the soil food web do the work for you. You don't have to work so hard. You're growing cannabis, enjoy it. Don't work yourself to death doing it. Absolutely, I love it. And, uh, you know, I wrote a column as well uh, in High Times, uh, taking over for uh, Jorge Cervantes, our friend George, and prior to him, Ed Rosenthal. And one of the things I appreciate about you and, and, and them and, and all of it is that you're... you're um, you know, your advice changes over time. You're constantly learning new things. And, you know, I used to tell people, you know, to use neem oil as an organic thing, uh, you know, for, for pests. And, and, you know, I was wrong. And you, you've admitted over the years plenty of times where um, new information has come to light and you've changed your advice. And I think it's important that people understand that we're constantly learning. There's always something new to learn. And, and this cutting-edge uh, you know, science is really kind of a back to the future moment where we're we're realizing that, you know, the people who were farming prior to all these chemicals were onto something uh, with organics and with the soil food web and all of that. And we can we can now use uh, si the science that we have to perfect that and actually have uh, that living soil that feeds our plants and in turn creates the essential oils in those trichomes that we appreciate so much. So um, thank you very much uh, for being on the show. Really, truly appreciate you taking the time. And we will be back after these messages with more Grow Bud Yourself. Hey, everybody. We want to tell you about our special sponsor, CryoCure Cannabis and Hemp Curing Machines. CryoCure allows you to skip the hang drying phase altogether and achieve skillfully dried cannabis in just 12 hours. With their specially patented machines designed specifically for cannabis, CryoCure allows you to get incredible looking flour with no degradation or shrinkage. CryoCure machines preserve terpenes and trichomes. Their revolutionary live resin flour production increases extraction, yield, and quality. The resulting product is light, fluffy, green, and aromatic with trichomes and terpenes intact and the flavor profile preserved at the height of freshness. We recently had Greg and Tracy from CryoCure on episode 49, so you can go back and hear all about it from them directly. But on a personal note, I have tried CryoCure flowers many times, and they are incredible. Like I said, green, fluffy, really amazing. There's a lot of gimmicks out there, but... 
This is the real deal, and CryoCure makes the best freeze-drying machines out there. To learn more about CryoCure and their incredible cannabis drying machines, visit cryocure.com and follow them on Instagram at cryocuremachines. Hey, all right. Welcome back. Uh, thank you again to Jeff Lowenfels. That was uh, very illuminating information and, uh, you know, uh, great to have him on this special episode as well. How are you feeling, Mike? I'm good. That was that was a really interesting interview. And uh, I'm, I'm actually really excited that we're going to be doing the uh, for the 100th time our cultivation segment. <laughs> yeah, indeed, indeed. And this time. Uh, you know, I wanted to go a little on the negative side of things just to let people know uh, some some stuff to avoid, uh, things to avoid, people to avoid, shit. <laughs> I was going to call this shit to avoid, but I didn't want to get us flagged uh, out there by uh, the social media stuff. But basically, um, you know, just over the years, I've come to find out that there's like certain things you just you want to like avoid. Uh, things and people. So I'm going to start with things to avoid. Um, and then there's always the obvious things you want to avoid, uh, you know, light leaks, you know, cause that, that could cause serious issues in your grow, particularly uh, any light that interrupts the 12 hour dark cycle during flowering. This is super duper important. Uh, you don't even want to really interrupt that light uh, for any reason. If you are going to interrupt it, uh, use uh, green light uh, and, uh, be careful, you know, it, it, it just causes the plant to stress out, uh, could cause it to hermaphrodite, all kinds of different issues. So those are the more obvious things. Of course, pests you want to avoid. Uh, they are going to eat your plants. You want to do everything you can to avoid any kind of pests or pestilence, molds and, and mildews and things, uh, diseases. I would say also, um, you know, avoid growing bag seed unless you're really a beginner and you just want to practice germination and you just want to see what you can see how the plant grows. Uh, a lot of people start off by growing bag seed, but at the end of the day, you, you're going to want uh, certified genetics of some kind. And yeah, some strains have come from bag seed and, and gone on to great glory, uh, particularly Chemdog. But even that uh, is one in a million opportunity uh, to find something so special. Um, and for the most part, that other 999,000 uh, seeds are just going to be bunk and cause you problems down the road. So um, bag seed is something to avoid. Along those same lines, uh, clones from an unknown source or a potentially diseased clones or clones that you don't really can't really vouch for, uh, that's always going to be a problem too. If you're going to take clones from a friend uh, and introduce them to your grow and you already have other plants, definitely uh, use some method of quarantining where you keep those clones apart, uh, dip them uh, if you can, and just keep an eye on them and make sure they're not spreading something to your your healthy plants. Uh, another thing, there's a lot of bad internet info out there you want to avoid. Uh, you, you know, you don't always want to just Google the problem and try to solve it that way. I mean, certainly there's great information out there, uh, but there's also people who understand uh, SEO that are trying to draw you to their site uh, in order to sell you seeds or sell you equipment. Uh, and just be aware of that. You know, there's there's information on the forums too, but there's bad info and there's people giving advice that maybe shouldn't be giving advice. And you just got to keep that in mind. And then as far as people to avoid, uh, yeah, this is another one. I would say 
um, partners in general, unless you, you really you know the person and they really bring something great to the table. I tell people this all the time, but um, you know, a business partner or a partner in a grow, uh, if all they're bringing to the table is money or a location or something, I would say find the money or the location on your own and do it on your own. There's really, I've seen too many friendships uh, devolve because of these partnerships that occur. Uh, and, and if you're going to get into that partnership with someone, just make sure everything is super clear, uh, who's going to provide what, maybe even put together some kind of uh, contract or paperwork, even if it's not like official, but something so that people understand uh, what their obligations are, what your obligations are, how you're going to handle uh, bills that come up, uh, things that come up uh, that you weren't anticipating, all kinds of situations that arise that can cause problems. I would also say um, avoid strain hoarders, you know, people that are greedy, that kind of won't share uh, knowledge, won't share genetics. Uh, those are the type of people who tend to have the wrong motivations in many cases. And, uh, you know, I just, I think, uh, hoarding strains is, 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 I understand why people do it obviously. And especially in the past and certainly now, even in the future, I mean, this is intellectual property. Uh, so it is important to protect certain genetics if it's very unique, but at the same time, uh, you know, you got to share genetics or you, you might lose genetics. So, that kind of greedy uh, motivation, it, 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 you don't want to really have, especially if you're a home grower, you want the best motivation. You want the, to put the uh, positivity into the plants and stuff. So um, on that same note, anybody who calls themselves like a master grower or an expert, uh, be careful. You know, I, I, I would say people should always be learning new, t new things, be uh, open-minded to new uh, techniques uh, also be, be willing to admit when they were wrong, uh, about something. And so, you know, the idea that someone in their twenties is some master grower, uh, who's, uh, you know, knows it all, uh, is a problem. So people that are kind of like know-it-alls, uh, and certainly anyone who's like a troll on the internet, you definitely don't want to feed the trolls. I'll get into that in a second, but anybody that's like on that negative side, I call them negative nanners because, uh, you know, they're just always bringing up the negativity and that negativity can, can really work its way into the plants. I know it sounds hokey, uh, but it's true. Your vibes are, uh, are transmitted to your plants. And if you're always negative like that, uh, that your plants are just not going to have that uh, positive effect that you want them to. So, you know, the trolling, uh, the negative content comments on social media, uh, always hating on someone, you know, if you look deeply enough into anything, you're going to find the problems with it. And I think, uh, there's just a lot of negativity out there. People are anonymous. They're saying all kinds of comments and they're, you know, you call them haters, but they're really kind of lovers. I mean, love and hate in that respect are actually very closely related. Uh, and sometimes the haters are basically lovers who just might love too much. Uh, nothing is perfect. You know, you're never going to find perfection. You're always seeking it, but you're never going to find it. So looking at the negative side of things is just going to always bring you down. Um, and like Nas said, hate and love are cousins. Um, the opposite of love is not hate. Uh, the opposite, opposite of love is indifference. So uh, something might not be right for you, uh, and it might not be right, you know, aimed at you. Uh, for instance, like for me, Justin Bieber's music, it's not my cup of tea, 
But for me to go on the internet uh, and say something negative about it just means it's in my head. You know what I mean? And like my indifference to it is that, you know, it, it, it's it's for somebody. There's somebody out there who enjoys it. So uh, putting out that, that negativity is only going to bring you ne- negativity back. Um, so remember that the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. And if you put out positivity, you will watch it come back to you many fold. Uh, I suggest you just try it. Okay. Everybody has negative thoughts and feelings. I do too. Um, but why amplify them? Why give them power? Uh, the real key is if you don't love something or care about it, be indifferent. That is my, that's the advice here for episode 100, I think. Uh, and it goes a long way because you'll find that like you won't have, you'll have less negative thoughts in the end about all these things. If you just realize that like, why am I even bothering with this? You know, and everybody's going to get hate on the internet. Everybody's going to get, uh, you know, someone out there who wants to rile them up, uh, and troll them basically. But if you respond, you base they win, <laughs> you know? So, uh, I guess, you know, that's kind of the thing there. And like, if you're a grower, you really want to just keep that positive vibe going. You want to, um, keep your plants happy, create the best environment for them. And, uh, you know, part of that is your attitude and, and, and your demeanor. So keep that in mind. Those are things, uh, and people to avoid, uh, in cannabis in order and not just in cannabis, but in life, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's, uh, a little bit of advice for me. Take it or leave it. All right. there you go. Gotta stay positive as the hold steady taught us all. Um, okay. So that was the tip, the grow tip for episode 100. And now it is time for the 100th time to, uh, to take some questions from our listeners. If you have a question you would like uh, answered on the show, get in touch with us. That email is info at growbudyourself.com. Uh, what do you say we dive right in here? Let's do it. Excellent. All right. So uh, let's start things off with our old friend, SMG, that is Southern Motorway Grower. And he writes, uh, hi, GBY team. I have a grow question. Well, that's good. You came to the right place. So he writes, (laughs) uh, and there's a lot here, so I'll just dive right in. Um, I have recently moved to a very hard water area with an average EC reading of 0.5 to 0.6 or 300 TDS and a pH of 7.8. I'm running an indoor setup using an autopot hydro system with reservoir attached. I'm using a cocoa coir substrate and trying to keep the pH around 5.8 to 6. I'm also having great difficulties keeping a stable pH. For example, the night before, I noticed my pH in my reservoir tank was 7.2, so I added pH down until I reached 5.8. The next morning, I checked again and the pH had risen back to 7. I was completely flabbergasted and unsure why this is happening. I don't really want to use an RO machine as they are extremely expensive and difficult to install, so do you have any advice? Thanks for all you guys do in the Canna community. The UK has so much respect for you guys, uh, SMG. So so yeah, Dan, what would you, what would you recommend here? <laughs> um, this is an interesting question. Uh, as far as why the pH uh, could go back up like that, that could have to, something to do with the nutrients that you're adding. It could have something to do with the evaporation and also just the starting pH of almost close to 8.0. Uh, you said 7.8. Uh, you know, it maybe it just wants to go back to that somehow uh, and you've added some pH down and, and it's become diluted somehow. 
Uh, I hate to say you might need to bite the bullet and get an RO machine since you mentioned not wanting that, but I did a quick search, uh, you know, for affordable uh, RO machines, and they are out there in under a hundred US dollars or so. Uh, at least a few of these that I've seen uh, in, you know, the uh, sixty to two three hundred dollar range, depending on what you're looking for. And an RO system does actually really help. I mean, especially because your issues are not just pH related, but also uh, with the hardness of the water. Uh, the amount of total dissolved solids seems to be pretty high. Uh, that EC reading already has a lot of minerals and things in it. So uh, what RO uh, or reverse osmosis does is brings all of that basically down to zero. So, uh, you know, your TDS should be close to zero. Your EC reading should be, you know, 0.0 or 0.1. And uh, hopefully the pH uh, more closer to neutral as well. Uh I still would continue to use the pH down uh, when necessary, obviously, just to keep it, uh, you know, in the 5.8 to 6.0 range that you've wanted wanted in. Uh, but I do think you might want to just get yourself uh, a, you know, decent RO uh, reverse osmosis machine. Uh, and the installation probably isn't as difficult as you think. Uh, most of them are just very simple inline uh, filtration the ones that are expensive are the ones that need to do many, many gallons at a time. Uh, and if you have the time to do it slow uh, with a cheaper machine, I think that might be your best bet. So I hope uh, I hope that helps you out. I can't really think of uh, of any cheaper ways that are less difficult to do that uh, aside from you know just running your own kind of like Brita style filtration system. But that's just not efficient and not going to really do. Uh, as decent of a job as a true reverse osmosis machine will. So I think uh, you may just have to bite that bullet and, uh, or I guess that's an American expression, probably not, not one that's used as often in the UK, but uh, I think, yeah, you might need to invest in the RO machine and, uh, and learn a little bit about how to install it properly. Uh, or, you know, you could always just switch out of uh, hydro and reservoirs and all that and just hand water, uh, your cocoa coir substrate uh, in containers. Uh, but I think you'll still have the same issue with the water. Uh, you just won't be sitting around in a reservoir constantly fluctuating. All right. Well, there you go. Uh, thank you, SMG, for writing in. We appreciate the uh, question and the support. Let's move to number one liver. So either he's just living his best life or he has the best liver. I don't know. But number one liver writes, uh, I wanted to ask your opinion on the transition from the vegetative phase to the flowering phase while growing indoors. Is there a notable difference in harvest time and weight between just throwing the plants from a 20-hour cycle to a 12-hour one compared to transitioning the light cycle from 20 to 19 to 18 and so on day by day until you reach 12 hours of light? Many growers don't seem to care about a smooth transition, but I think that they're, they may be doing themselves a disservice. Keep spreading the love. Uh, so what would you say here to number one liver? Yeah, so this is something uh, I have been asked before in the past as well, and it's a, about that transitional period. Uh, and, and normally I would tell people that you want to mimic nature uh, as much as possible. So you'd want to gradually transition from 20 hours of light per day to 12 hours. Uh, but in reality, in, in indoors with cannabis plants, I think that it's best done quickly and not over a prolonged period of time, uh, in my opinion. 
indoors, it's best to make the switch uh, directly from 20 to 12 out on, 12 off. Uh, allow the plants to adjust immediately rather than over the course of several weeks. Um, this way, there's no confusion for the plant as to whether it's time to flower or not. Uh, and the flowering period can begin in earnest. So um, the plant just automatically uh, starts the flowering period and it's not this sort of gradual period uh, where it's getting 20 and then 18 and then 16 and then 14. Uh, again, that does mimic nature more closely, but I think uh, indoors you want to make that switch uh, automatic and go directly from vegging to flowering uh, and get that plant going with the flowering. I, I do think uh, you'll end up, uh, you know, the harvest time, the amount of time uh, will also be shorter. Uh, I think it, it's going to take a little longer for the plant to make that transition and it might stay in that veg time longer. Um, and as far as weight, uh, I've never seen uh, a difference in weight by doing this, but I think uh, the amount of time will certainly be shorter. All right. Well, there you go. Let's move to Justin S. And he writes, uh, hey, guys, are there certain times during a plant's life during which it wants to be fed more nutrients? Or should you always feed about half of what the label says? I've heard so many different opinions, and I'd like to get a definitive answer. So what do you think, Dan? OK, so uh, the, the yes, plants do have different nutritional requirements at different times uh, during the life cycle. So during the vegetative stage, the plant needs uh, more of a high nitrogen food. As a seedling, you want to go with that half strength. Uh, but once that seedling starts growing many branches and leaves, you may want to bump it up, uh, especially if you see any signs of a slight deficiency, like uh, you know, a lighter green color instead of a nice vibrant green. Um, as the plant develops a bigger root system, uh, and there's more stem, more branches, more leaves, uh, you're going to have to bump up uh, the amount of uh, nutrient that you're feeding to your plants. Um, and then during the flowering stage, I, I like to tell people, you know, the plant is going to need the most amount of food from between week uh, two to week six or so. Of course, that depends on the flowering time of the strain that you're growing. Uh, but working with a typical eight to nine week sort of strain, uh, prior to week two or three, you're not having a lot of flower development after you've switched to flowering. So I would say um, stay on the on the weaker side at that point. Uh, but once you start seeing those little puff balls start to form, uh, that's a good time to boost uh, boost it. So what I mean what I mean to say is that the early stage of flowering is a transitional phase uh, during which there's not a ton of food required. So that's a good time to stay with that half strength uh, formula. Uh, but once the flowers begin forming and growing larger, that's a time to boost. Uh, particularly phosphorus and, and, and potassium nutrient levels in your feeding solution. That's, uh, you know, for, for flowering, for flower production and fruiting. Um, and then you're going to cut back around the sixth or seventh week, again, uh, depending on the strain's total flowering time and start the flushing process of just watering with plain water. Um, and that will help you uh, remove some of the built up nutrient and leach that out uh, before you, harvest and that'll help uh help your plants to burn properly and taste the way that they should and really uh exemplify the essential oil and uh the trichomes and all that so uh yeah basically you want to adjust uh your feeding throughout all the different stages of the plant's life but going with half strength 
is always better than doubling or going higher uh, because you can always bump it up. I tell people this all the time, but uh, it is important not to overfeed. So monitor, you know, most nutrient brands uh, will also come with a feeding schedule week by week uh, that you can look at and uh, adjust uh, appropriately based on what they've suggested. Um, depending on the company, you might want to err on the side of caution and go with, you know, half strength or less. But uh, for the most part, uh, you're not going to end up overfeeding your plants if you always stay within the parameters of what's advised. All right. Thank you, Justin. And uh, you know what? It's episode 100. Let's just do one more here. So this is uh, this comes from General Mills, and he writes, uh, Hey, Danny, I was wondering, what kind of options would you recommend for bringing CO2 to my plants? Besides a CO2 emitter, are there any natural organic ways to keep a good amount of CO2 in a closet or small grow? Uh, what would you say here to General Mills? Yeah, so... Uh... I'll start with just a little bit about CO2 and, and, and why it's necessary. Carbon dioxide um, or CO2 is the gas that the plants use to convert light into energy for new growth. So they're taking in carbon dioxide and giving off oxygen, whereas we do the opposite. We take in oxygen and give off carbon dioxide. Um, so technically, we are also a carbon dioxide emitter. So spending time with your plants uh, will give them a, a, a slight amount of CO2. Um, in an enclosed grow room full of, uh, you know, strong, healthy plants, CO2 levels are going to diminish pretty quickly unless they're replenished pretty often. Uh, and fresh air tends to be around 300, 400 or so parts per million of CO2. Uh, plants, when they're flowering in particular, can handle up to 1,500 parts per million. Um, and then they respond accordingly. The growth rates can be enhanced by adding CO2 gas to your growing environment particularly during the flowering period, uh, resulting in bigger yields. Uh, you definitely have several options uh, when you're looking to supplement with carbon dioxide. Uh, one is a tank and a regulator uh, that can be somewhat cumbersome, uh, pricey, but also very effective. Uh, there's also generators that uses basically a propane tank to create a constant supply of CO2. That's going to also add some heat. Uh, and some of them can be pretty cost prohibitive, uh, expensive units. For smaller spaces, uh, there's some cool products now uh, that exist. So you're talking about a tent or a closet. Um, there's these products that utilize organic methods, um, such as mushroom growing to produce CO2. Um, there's a couple of companies out there. There's CO2 Boost. Um, there's uh, the Enhancer that's from TNB Naturals. Uh, both of those really work great for closets, uh, grow tents, grow boxes small enclosed spaces, and they'll give you about 60 to 65 days or so of carbon dioxide without really spending a lot of money or putting in a lot of uh, effort uh, as far as installation goes. Um, one of the things about those tanks is like, you know, a tank and a regulator bringing that in and out of the house uh, regularly, uh, it's, you know, could be a tip off as well. So, uh, and it's heavy and, and can be a problem. Uh, there's also, I'm going to mention a couple other interesting kind of DIY si situations you can use, but I'm definitely not recommending this. Um, some growers will brew beer in their grow rooms to increase CO2 levels. I've seen that. Uh, and that's an interesting sort of uh, workaround or uh, what do they call that these days? Like a, a, uh, a hack, <laughs> life hack. Um, and I've also seen some where people will have a rabbit cage uh, underneath uh, with the rabbits constantly 
breathing out CO2, uh, I would probably advise against having uh, live animals that are furry uh, close to your plants. Uh, but I do have to admit, I found it pretty interesting, uh, some of the different ways that people have thought about uh, increasing the level of CO2. But spending time with your plants, and uh, particularly those uh, those other products that you can utilize, those the CO2 boost and the enhancer. And I'm sure there's other stuff now on the market as well that, uh, that give you that uh, boost of CO2. But remember, CO2 boosts yield. It doesn't boost potency. It doesn't boost... Uh, really uh trichome production it's really just kind of like uh more cells and and more weight so uh and but it does help with plant growth and so always have a oscillating fan in your grow uh to move the air around recirculate air as well because uh the leaf surface the amount of co2 at leaf surface uh can be very different from what's in the room because the plant is absorbing it from leaf surface and uh and so if you move that air around, you'll tend to get more CO2 to the leaf surface as well. Uh, you always want to be able to see that, you know, that your leaves are kind of uh, shaking in the wind a little bit. Uh, and in that way, you'll know that they're not, in, they're not stagnant and uh, at a point where they're just not going to grow. All right. That rabbit hack sounds adorable. I like that. Um, thank you, <laughs> General Mills. Thank you to everybody who wrote in this week and was on our 100th uh, episode. Uh, if you have a question you would like answered on the show, get in touch with us. That email, uh, once again, that's info at growbudyourself.com. Um, we're going to take a little break and then come back and wrap this sucker up. Hey guys, I want to tell you about one of our favorite sponsors, Excelsior Extracts. Outcast and TOH from Excelsior are incredible people, incredible growers, and they make an amazing product. Their THC-infused pain rub is made by patients for patients, and it provides powerful relief from pain. This product was developed to treat Outcast's chronic pain, and trust me, this is a super potent topical that really works. You can find out more about Excelsior on Instagram at Excelsior Extracts. That's E-X-C-E-L-S-I-O-R-E-X-T-R-A-C-T-S. DM them there to learn more about their amazing pain rub. And don't forget to tell them that Grow Bud Yourself sent you. All right, welcome back. And... uh, Wow! Thank you guys for sticking around. Episode one hundred uh, is is uh, is here for you guys. Thank you to our sponsors, uh, of course, Cryo Cure, uh, amazing machines that that uh, do great work. Uh, Sweet Leaf Plant Nutrients, uh, our pals over there. Uh, Prime Superior, of course, uh, Excelsior Extracts, uh, sending immeasurable love to you guys. Uh, there's all those different codes I'll mention real quick. I guess uh, Sweet Leaf uh, Nutrients is Danko15 for 15% off on their website. Uh, and Prime Superior is PS420 for 15% off uh, with them as well. So, uh, of course, Vapor.com, uh, our affiliate over there, in case you need something to consume your cannabis with, uh, the code there is GrowBudYourself20. Uh, the number 20 for 20% off everything site-wide. You're not going to find that anywhere else. You'll find 15%, but 20% nowhere. Uh, Thanks to you guys uh, who support us on Patreon. 
uh, YouTube, all the different places where you guys can uh, can voice your support, social media, and everywhere else. We really appreciate it. Um, thanks to Jacques and Winstrong for the tune. Thank you to Jeff Lowenfelds for the uh, amazing interview. Uh, and uh, thank you from myself to you, Mike, for 100 episodes of, of joy and uh, immeasurable positivity. <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, if you want to learn more about Prime Superior, uh, check out episode 91. We spoke to Dr. Paul Rushton and Todd Young of Prime Superior there. And if you want to learn more uh, about CryoCure, go back and listen to episode 49, where we talked to Greg and Tracy uh, from CryoCure uh, at length about their product. So uh, yeah, man, episode 100, three digits, we made it. Uh, and we'll be back with more for you guys in the very near future. Um, thank you for your support. Thank you for your uh, love. Thanks for growing incredible plants out there. Thanks for sharing at all these different events uh, that I've been able to check out. Boston Freedom Rally, um, the Organic Cup, uh, all um, Dougie uh, from Hitman had had a, a great event up in Boston and here in New York. So uh, anything that's out there, come check it out. Check me out October 22nd. Uh, and Mike will be there too, hosting a grow class at uh, New York Hydroponics right here in Brooklyn on Union Street in the Gowanus neighborhood. Uh, information for tickets is on our, on our socials. And uh, thanks to you guys again for listening. All of the support uh, from you guys is the trellis that keeps us, you know, close to the light and thriving. So uh, episode 100, I could go on forever, uh, but why don't we just, uh, you know, it's already an extra innings. It's over now. Uh, someone just slid into home. So uh, let's put this one in the books. 